Hello all and welcome to Roll Out the Barrel, the show hosted by two UK fans of the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm Sean, you can find me on Twitter at Haders Hair. And with me is my brewing friend, Mark Lewis, who you can find on Twitter at UK Brew Crew. How are you, mate? Oh, very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good, you know. Um, strange times, as we say every time we talk at the moment. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, we've regressed we're a little it. bit, haven't we? we regressed a little bit since the last time with uh, the introduction of the new lockdown, I suppose. Um, but I also... As as it's now November, I got to point out to people that you're uh, you're sporting a little bit more uh, hair growth than uh, than you have been previously. <laughs> I am, yes. I've I've grown a moustache, um, not because I want to look like Tom Selleck, for those who don't know who Tom Selleck is, um, but yeah, it's supporting the Movember. Uh, so this is the this is prostate cancer awareness, and uh, yeah, for a month we make ourselves look stupid, grow a moustache. I've gone for the full Mexican. Maybe I'll post a picture on Twitter at some point. Um, and yeah, as I say, it's just to raise uh, raise awareness of prostate cancer, which is the biggest uh, uh, killer, uh, cancer killer of men in the in the UK and uh, maybe around the world. So. Yeah, no, I'd, I've contemplated doing it myself before, but uh, yeah, my wife doesn't like it when I get uh, kind of into two or three days grace. So <laughs> I don't know how she'd feel if I was to do the whole 30 days. But yeah, no, good, <laughs> good, good luck to you. Um, obviously, why don't you share your link if you're if you're raising money? Share the link, you never know, you might get some extra contributions. So yeah. definitely share it around for you. I mean, this year I haven't done it for money uh, because of you know people's situations. I suppose it's just this year it's really just about awareness. But yeah, I'll post a picture towards the end of November on Twitter so everyone can have a good laugh at me, uh, certainly in the close <laughs> season. Um, so, yeah. No, OK, well so, you, yeah, cheers, buddy. So, listen, buddy, this is part two of um, of our, we called it our Targate party, our end of season party uh, with Matt, Scott and Josie. On the, the first the first part, we spoke a lot about the offence uh, or the lack of offence. The lack of, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so this part is all about part two. We're going to talk about pitching. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, everyone's play of the season. A little bit about Ryan Braun. And then finally, just a little bit about being part of the, of the Brewers Twitter family. So without further ado, mate, let's get over and enjoy the second half of our chat. Let's do it. So let's have a little chat about the pitching. Let's talk about those guys that struggled first. And then uh, again, we'll finish on a high. So let's talk about Josh Lindblom. So he come over from Korea, the Doosan Bears, I think he joined us from. He's got a lot of experience. He's got some MLB experience as well before he went over to Korea. He struggled, didn't he? He went for runs early in early in games where we really needed him to to you know to be tight. He, he made 12 appearances for us this season. Uh, ended up with an ERA above five. There were times when he just didn't look like he had the control. What did you guys think? Yeah, the interesting thing about Josh is he has so many pitches so it's like this year we just needed him to pick a couple and be good and (laughs) and it didn't happen he was and it's not like he was wild or anything he just it's like he never just got into a rhythm this year yeah do you think that's because he was trying to do too many pitches I feel like he was trying to do too much yeah yeah I've got you know possible six six uh balls that i can i can choose from and uh and i've possibly only got four to try and get a batter out or, or he's going to get hit me so um yeah i don't know whether that was that was him getting in his own mind maybe too much to choose from i think with him there's just it was the adjustment period you know or adjustment coming from korean leagues over to the u.s um you just can't pitch a lot of these batters the same way you do overseas and that's said, you know, on the surface, sure, a lot of his season didn't look great, but he still, he had his 5.16 ERA. His FIP was only 3.87, so it shows he might not have quite pitched to the numbers quite as well as he could have. He had one of the higher strikeout rates on the team, actually. When he came in for starts, he actually usually piled up strikeouts just a little bit. He would just end up having either, you know, that big inning where, you know, all of a sudden hitters would string together a few hits and one would pop one out and all of a sudden, you know, the Brewers are behind. Um, But I think there was enough there to work with where if he gets some time, 
with the Brewers pitching coaches, and as we've seen, the Brewers pitching coaches have developed our pitchers quite well over these last couple of years. Yes. Um, I think there's enough to work with, and we hey, we've got him for another couple of years by a contract anyway, so <laughs> we got to work with him one way or another. Um, but I think there's enough of a base there where he can be an effective starter going forward. He cl- clearly showed that he could um, overseas, and it was switching from reliever to starter that really unlocked his potential over the last few years. So I'm actually looking forward to see what he looks like after one year back in the States. Okay, this is how things kind of went. Does he need to tool, uh, mess with the pitch mix a little bit? Does he need to mess with his pitch location a little bit? Um, what is it that can really kind of you know, unlock what he has in there. So it wasn't quite what we were hoping for, for a guy who had just come off um, being Korean League MVP. Um, You know, we'd seen what had happened with some of our other overseas signings like uh, Thames a couple years ago, and even Jay Jackson last year, um, who looked uh, decent for us out of the pen down the stretch. We wanted Lynn Bloom to be that same thing, and it just doesn't always 100% work that way from league to league. But um, I think there's something there with him. Do you think that he uh, would have value out of the bullpen? Because, you know, that's the thing I'm kind of thinking that he, even if he doesn't cement himself as a four or five starter, uh, he seemed like he was a pretty good long reliever type uh, this year. And I don't know if they would keep him on uh, at the salary he's at, you know, and put him in the bullpen to just work the middle innings. But I think he's got value regardless of uh, how things go moving forward. He's a veteran. He's crafty. He knows how to play. Uh, he's a really good guy. You know, he's family based. I don't want to get too touchy feely, but, you know, you look at these intangibles and, and they're definitely there. So constructing a roster that's successful, I think we saw in 2018 that you got to have a lot of character on the team, guys who care and pull for each other. He seems to be that. Yeah, I could see that, especially considering like Matt alluded to is those late innings is when he kind of got too much into his head. Um, he started trying to do too much. And, you know, if he had some of that pressure again we're getting into the mental side of things if you take that we only need you to go for three innings we don't need you to try to get to seven you're only going to see the lineup once maybe twice you don't have to get too fancy the third time through then I think that he could probably have a lot of success but you made a good point Scott you know do we want him to be doing that kind of role for three million dollars a year yeah this is the question and if he does, if he does move into a reliever's role, we it opens up another space on the rotation. And we're you know, going into next year. You know, Woody was was awesome this year. Corbin Burns was superb and great to see. I thought Anderson pitched well. I I, I enjoy watching Brett Anderson, but after that we were struggling. So I think if you take Josh Lindblom out of the rotation, all of a sudden our rotation starts to look really weak, doesn't it? And I don't know what we're going to do yeah. in the close season on that to bridge those the gaps. I mean, Hauser struggled. I wanted to have a quick talk about Eric Lauer. I mean, we brought Lindblom in to be a, a starter, didn't we? That was the reason he came. He joined us. Um, he, I'm sure he could do a great job as a relief pitcher. Me personally, you know, if I'm if I'm CC, I'm, I wouldn't be thinking that way. Maybe Matt's points valid in terms of you know being back in the country for a year, getting himself reacclimatized, understanding the nuances, differences between Major League Baseball and Korean baseball. Yeah, maybe a bit of readjustment, but I'm. I'm kind of mildly optimistic he'll come back next year and be good for us. Um, Eric Lauer, on the other hand, I was really excited when he joined us. I thought there's some, because uh, I'm left-handed myself, so you know I do like to see left-handed pitchers anyway. Mm. It just, it never got going for him, did it? What did you think, Matt? I mean, he, he clearly struggled, and there were some issues in terms of, I think his relationship with Omar Navarez. There was a couple of semi-public spats about you know not working as a as a unit the pair of them what did you make of him this season yeah I was a little bummed out by that one he just he had no control um this season he came out out of the gates this spring looking like he was going to be a big contributor um he was one of those many players who spent time down at the pitching lab the super secret pitching lab down in Arizona um that same pitching area 51 (laughs) <laughs> right. It's the same lab that got uh, Corbin Burns to look like how he looked this season, though. Um, his big thing was that he was working on his changeup, got it to look different than it ever had in his career. Um, he had put up great numbers in spring training um, and then unfortunately had the uh, was one of the players with the COVID setback. Um, so it delayed his season starts. Um, he comes in 
throws outing of relief against the Cubs in that first series and looks fantastic going, yeah, that's the potential we've got with this guy. And then it just all went downhill after that. And unfortunately this year, you don't have, you know, you're not able to option him back to the minors to get real practice in games. Unfortunately, it's just the alternate. It's just not the same thing. So they never really had that chance to just work on him. Um, You don't have some of the same video stuff that you had from previous seasons. So uh, for me, he's only 25. He's a young guy. He's only looked average in the majors in the past, but again, he hasn't really had those chances. I want to see him back in that pitching lab again, really get some work in, and then come back out next year kind of the same way and hopefully have a more normal season where you know he has a chance to really show what he's got. Um, I agree with you. You know, left-handed pitching is a hot commodity. It's something that not every team has an abundance of or has, you know, just great value in. So he's one of those types of players that would would serve us well if we can really get him right. But he's he's young. He's got plenty of time to develop. Uh, there, the potential's there and the time is there with him. He's a mixed bag. And, you know, he's a finesse pitcher trying to make it in a power pitcher world. And he I think he's got the tools to do it. But, you, you know, you look at just take a step back and you kind of compare him to other guys based on velocity and movement. Don't even look at the production or the numbers. Bumgarner, Hamels, Quintana. I mean, those are the guys he's most like. Uh, And I think if he can tap into a role, I mean, obviously Bumgarner is the exception there, but if he could be a Quintana type of guy, a Hamels type of guy, um, you know, he's going to eat up innings, be a reliable quality start type of guy. That would be great. What we saw this last year though, didn't really give us a lot of hope. Um, I think what you look at, though, going forward, he's 25. We have a really good pitching uh, coach, staff, and basically they've been proving for years now that they can develop guys within the system. So I there's no reason to doubt them or the system, and I'm really hoping that Lauer can tap into some potential. Um, my thing on him is his delivery. It looks like he's showing the ball to, to the pitcher or to the hitter the whole time. You can kind of he's telegraphing where it's going to go and how it comes out of his hand. And so I don't want to get too um, nuanced and nutty with this, but I think he's close. And if he can start to make some tweaks, hopefully he can burns it up. You might give him Mark. (laughs) Um, Well, like yourself, I I was I think I was upset with him when he came out and publicly kind of dissed Omar Navarez. I know we've got him for a few years, so I think he's going to be worked on. I think he's going to be around for a couple of years and, and we're going to try and get him into our starting rotation. I, yeah, I think he's he's got to work on it. I think his his mental attitude, he, he has to realise that he's he's got to be in control of what he's doing um, and he can't throw other people under the bus. And I think that's what I was I was most upset with him about when, when he came out after that first game and he was like, you know, Omar was, was calling things that I didn't want to throw. And, you know, you've got all the time in the world outside of a game to work on that and and develop that relationship so i think he needs to do that a bit more and then kind of become a bit more of a coherent brewers player because the brewers work on their their team ethic and and not having big name stars so i think he he's got the right tools to fit in um i think he just needs to to grow up a little bit unfortunately he's, he's you know like you say he's 25 so he's got a few years to develop uh, you know you probably look at him being in his peak about 28 29 30 so um yeah hopefully we can we can develop him in area 51 <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of it josie just kind of more a general comment a lot of the pitching that has been alluded to in this with what we do with our pitchers in arizona it's kind of interesting or important to step back and remember that that all got cut off this year spring training got cut short and then it was just okay go be free stay fit don't die someone like a 25 year old who we're talking about now has maybe a little bit of an attitude problem what was he doing when they were all set free i mean i don't know that so i'm not saying he did nothing but um without direction he's it's interesting to know what they were doing and what having a full spring training in a full regimen and a, being in a routine, how much that could potentially benefit a guy like Lauer next year. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I'm glad we've signed him. It didn't work this year. Again, I'm, I'm 
in my usual optimistic fashion, I'm expecting him to maybe turn a corner and do it better for us next year. I mean, the, so the only negative really, not apart from his ERA of above 13, which is pretty negative as well, but um, the only neg- the only negative thing, you know, was when he, he had that sort of, it wasn't quite a public spat, but it certainly got out into the, into the social media world that, you know, he wasn't happy. But I know that the catcher can suggest pitches, but ultimately it's the pitcher that pitches it. He's in charge. He has the ball in his hand and he makes the call. The catcher, you know, the catcher's going to suggest. I mean, how, how often do you see a pitcher saying no to the catcher? No, not that one. And eventually you'll go, yeah. He's the guy who's in charge. So it felt like a pretty empty argument to me. But uh, as you say, maybe he's just uh, uh, needs a bit of growing up there. And I think, Joe's a great point. You know, they, these guys... Um, didn't have the spring training that they would normally have. Didn't get a chance to warm the arm up, and uh, yeah, you don't know what effect that what effect that had. So, a couple of issues there in the rotation. The positive for me on that was it gave Brent Suter a chance to become a rotational pitcher, a starter for us, which was awesome. And I know at Brewers Raptor was delighted about it, seeing his dad on the mound, which was great. Didn't always work out for him, but he stepped up and gave it a go. Yeah. Yeah, it's and man. It was just so such a bummer to see what ended up happening in that wild card game with him because you know we all love him. He is just a great personality. Um, had a, a very good season, honestly. Flipping back and forth between the bullpen, which was his home, and then filling in for those spot starts. Um, we won three of those four appearances where he started, at an, and I think it was only a single earned run that he gave up um, in any of them. So it made complete sense for him to get that start in the wild card game and then just didn't end up working out. Um, I maintain that had some of those close pitches gone his way in the, over those first couple batters, um, that it might not have kind of driven him into that weird place and then allowed things to um, kind of just steamroll. Um, and this is after a season where, you know, it was it was out there that the strike zone was bigger, supposedly. And then all of a sudden, when Suter pitches in that wild card game, the strike zone is all just not bigger anymore. And so I think that really got to him and unfortunately led to where it led to. And that said, he still, even after they pulled him, had us in a position to win. We were still within striking distance. But yeah. overall, it was another impressive season by him. I don't, I think... It's nice that he provides us multiple options going forward. You know, you could keep him in the bullpen. You could uh, try switching him to the rotation. I don't know how long he can go if they really stretch him out, like how many innings he's good for as a starter. But the fact of the matter is, it's nice to have kind of that Swiss Army knife of a pitcher. Um, And it just helps that he's a good guy. So, you know, when he does well, we're happy to see him do well. And it was really cool after the wild card game seeing mm-hmm. all of Brewer's Twitter just have his back. And it was just like, okay, whatever. Like, stop getting in your head about it. We love you. It's okay. And he's one of those guys, again, the intangibles. He's the one out in the bullpen making noise and hitting the dummy. And, <laughs> and it's an interesting point, even just how much we can ask him to continue to be in the bullpen and make these spot starts because that doesn't give him the opportunity, depending on how much we're doing it to have any sort of routine again and have any sort of rhythm. And it's a very different feeling as just a person knowing all day. Okay. I've got to make this start. I got to make the start versus being in the bullpen and just kind of waiting until your name gets called. If it gets called, it gets called. Um, so just mentally that's got to be a kind of trying going back and forth between the two. I think we found our uh, motto for 2021, hit the dummy. <laughs> hit the dummy, Brewers 2021. <laughs> I'm buying that T-shirt, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're right. There was there was a, a very public outpouring of love for him, wasn't there? Um, he, he clearly felt that he let everyone down when it was exactly the opposite in, in reality. He'd been he had a good season. And I just think it shows his genuine love for the for the uh, you know for the for the club and for the fans as well. But it was great to see everyone sort of just jumping straight onto that, and reassuring him that he hadn't let anybody down. You know, so uh, that that was really good. Without Suter, so was anyone one point twenty one gigawatts is exactly how much worse we would have been last year if we wouldn't have had Suter. 
<laughs> yeah. Do the math. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anybody else on the rotation worth talking about this year? Um, uh, well, Jackson Burns. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a performance that guy had this season. Um, and again, like there's the magic of that pitching lab, right? But I mean, just even more impressive when you see what happened in 2019 and he just looked lost last year. I mean, like speaking of guys who were in their own head, like he just, you know, either couldn't hit the broad side of the barn or was putting it right where the batters needed it for batting practice. And they turned him around into a near Cy Young pitcher this year. That was one of talk about feel good stories for this year that had to rank up there at the top. It just it was great to see that he still has that in him um, because, you know, we need to rely on some of that young talents to get us there moving forward. Some of the guys who are on some of those um, lower value contracts, you need them to put up big boy numbers. Mm. And he's definitely showed that he can do that. And it was great. Now thinking to next season, you know, look at that one-two punch at the front of the uh, rotation between Woodruff and Burns. Oh, if they, if they're both looking next year, like they looked this year, that is a, that's got to make fans feel confident that, okay, we've definitely got something to work on. And there's other guys with other potential as well. But when you can start off with those two, that's the type of thing that a team that competes needs to have. You need to have, you know, strong opening to your rotation. He's arbitration eligible in 2022. He's only 26 years old. And like you said, if he can keep doing what he, what he did this year, and also, like you said, major props and evidence of how fabulous the lab is like we can we hear about this area 51 and now we are seeing the results interesting again apparently i'm this intangible today that's not who i normally am but apparently i'm playing that role um something that corbin did in the off season he got lasik and it you have to imagine because like i know how life is when I'm wearing my contacts versus wearing my glasses and that was just being able to focus better not having to deal with like fuzzy peripherals I mean just another little thing that uh, must have made a huge difference for him and probably in his life I'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) I I, Corbin Burns is basically the reason I'm still a Brewers fan now I mean he got me he got I'm I'm being glib obviously but he got me through the year man I mean he was fun to watch he's exciting he seems like a bona fide blue chip top of the rotation guy I mean the way he looked this year we had a small sample size it was 2020 it was a weird year but the results are hard to argue with um his fastball got better Uh, his spin rates got they I don't know if they all got better, but he's learning how to use his sprint spin rate and translate it into movement. His pitches are definitely all moving better. Um, I think the I forget the I, I talked about this on Lockdown Brewers earlier in the year, but I think the average pitch he's throwing is is moving three to five inches more than it was last year. Some of them up to like six or seven inches uh, in total movement. And so to account for that kind of movement, when a guy can throw you know, up around 100. He is a a stud. And I think what Josie's saying is right. You got a young guy who had to figure out the intangibles. He had to put all these little things together. And part of that is he's not just throwing four seamers like darts at at the plate anymore. He's using his cutter. He's using different looks with the fastball to kind of keep guys off balance. And so he's learning that mental finesse part of the game. And he's already got the stud power pitcher part of the game. And so if he puts it all together – Man, oh man, uh, we got a guy. It's just such a shame that we didn't have him for game one of the postseason, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. If, if we had had him, possibly, yeah, we, we, if we could have put the, the Dodgers under pressure in that game one, we, we could have stood a chance, couldn't we? But, yeah, it was just unfortunate. It all kind of fell apart at the wrong time, wasn't it? We could have been contenders. We mention the sample size every time we speak this season, but... There was only I mean, 59 um, innings pitched. It's still a good, it's a good size to get get a flavour of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. 88 strikeouts, just over two uh, ERA. I mean, they're they're great figures. And uh, and you know what? You didn't even need to look at the stats. Just just you just have to watch the guy pitch. But you know what I mean? Absolutely awesome. Yeah. So 
Yeah, that was that was super. I did make a prediction at the start of the year with some of the guys in the MLB UK community that uh, it was a bit tongue in cheek, but I said um, Corbin Burns to win Cy Young, and I didn't really <laughs> believe it when I said it. It was a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was close. Yeah, yeah. I also said the Cubs would tank this year, which. Uh, yeah, well, they, we did were, they did towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been more wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah, totally. I say that every you, year. Yeah. So I just you know me, guys. I'm always thinking with the heart. <laughs> um, and the bullpen was was generally solid again this year. There's there's one name again that stands out, and I'm sure you guys want to make a few comments about Devin Williams, who was he just came out of nowhere this year, and he was awesome was quite rightly um awarded the relief pitcher of the year which was great for the national leagues i think it would have been a travesty if he hadn't have won that i mean i'll just open the floor out to you guys but that guy was awesome this year absolutely awesome devin williams was the i mean we were talking about how dominant burns was devin williams is the only guy more dominant than him on the staff and you might be able to argue that he's the most dominant pitcher on the planet I don't I don't want to get too crazy because, you know, we're just seeing one year. It was 2020. I could say this until I'm blue in the face. But I mean, everyone who saw him pitch saw that you couldn't touch him. I could go through all the numbers that have been regurgitated a million times onto Twitter and through these articles and everything else. But I mean, what was his strikeout rate? Fifty three percent. It's insane. Insane. And, uh, you know, I think that going forward now, if you can figure out how to use Hader, Williams, maybe Knable, kind of regain some of his old form. Um, you throw guys like Suter, Yardley, Claudio in there. It's a formidable group. Um, you could argue it's the best bullpen in baseball. No one saw this. I definitely didn't see this coming, especially Williams having the best changeup in baseball, the airbender, as Pitching Ninja say. likes to give it. And looking at his... Uh, Prospect grades, his changeup was a 40-grade changeup. That's okay. So clearly, they were able to work with him. It was his fastball that was, you know, supposed to blow people away, and he still has a very good fastball. Um, But clearly, they did that work with him um, and got it developed to a point where he could use it to just, just confuse the heck out of hitters. And that goes back to our pitching developments. Um, Chris Hook who is now our pitching coach, was the minor league pitching coordinator, and he would have spent time with Williams when he was down in those lower levels of the minor leagues. And so you see from top to bottom, um, we've got guys that can make these things work, and it shows that we can develop. I mean, not just looking at him, um, looking at, look what Justin Topa ended up doing kind of out of nowhere. He had one bad outing and then was great. The rest of the year. Yeah. That's a guy we've, you know, developed for a couple of years now. That's um, Josh Hader obviously started his development elsewhere, but the Brewers were able to get to him to a place where he now looks like who he is. And then Freddie Peralta, um, he was basically a throw-in prospect in a trade a few years ago um, and now has the potential. He was uh, arguably our third best reliever after um, Hader and Williams, I would say. Yeah. But yeah. Um, just... Oh my gosh, it was when the Brewers had a lead going late into games, fans were just waiting like, oh, just just give me Devin Williams right now. I want to see another one. And when he came in, it was just it was laughable what he would do to opposing hitters. It was awesome. That was that was my biggest surprise um, for sure of this season. Like you said, you know, he had no okay change up. We thought we, that he was going to be doing this with his fastball. He ends up having pitching ninja name his pitch. Like he has the airbender. He tweeted at the beginning of the year that he was just really excited to have been featured on pitching ninja. And now like Rob will talk about him as much as he can. Everybody around baseball is excited about him. Like he is just this guy. Like you said, we were just so excited every time he would come up and having this change up that just makes people look silly it makes his fastball that much more effective because they are just like, wait a minute, what was that? And he just keeps hitters on his toes. His, you know, all the things that we've heard a million times that spin right on the changeup. Man, he is he is special. He's one of those guys that it's like, thank God he's ours. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, you, you can see the fear in the eyes of the batter because they know they're not hitting that changeup if he comes out. <laughs> they're going to swing as much as they like. They're not going to hit that bad boy. But uh, no, he was awesome. And again, I mean, he's 
he his stats were just silly. I mean, his ERA was 0.33. His WHIP was 0.66. I mean, almost two Ks per innings pitched. The, these are absolute mad numbers. But uh, it, it was great to watch. The, the one guy from the ball, uh, from the pen who I, th- I think I thought he was a bit of an unsung hero this year. Really, was Eric Yardley, um, and I thought he he made more appearances for us than anyone. Uh, he made 24 appearances this year. Whenever he came out, he was solid, you know. And um, again, he's under the radar. He's got that lovely strange action that that must uh, sort of put the batter off a little bit. But for me, he was an unsung hero. I thought he was he was really really solid. And you look at his numbers. He's posted some, you know, 24, 23 innings pitched. Um, but he's posting, you know, 154 ERA, 124 whip. You know, when we got a good start in the game and we had we had guys like him and Devin Williams coming out in relief, that that can only sort of um, help the the mental state of a starting pitcher, knowing that those guys are going to are in the pen. I just love watching the guy pitch for his action, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, he's one of those guys, like, Council loves having that, just that guy he can lean on in the bullpen. Um, almost like a like the junior Guerra that we used to have, who's not, like, just, he doesn't blow you away with anything, but you know when he would come into the game out of the bullpen, things were probably going to be all right. Um, I had a lot of fun, actually, looking up, uh, doing Yardley's report card for the sites um, and kind of finding out that he doesn't, do a lot of things like particularly like he's he doesn't rate at the top of all these like stat cast categories or anything like that like yeah. Devin Williams does like he doesn't blow people away he's not he doesn't strike out really a lot of people at all um batters hit him a little hard kind of like medium but um he's not like getting overly soft contact like an Alex Claudio or something like that um all he does is just pitch well and make the ball stay playable he had a 61.2 percent ground ball rate last year and that's that's great that was uh 10th best among um relievers who pitched a qualified amount of innings um and he only gave up two homers so he keeps the ball down and he keeps it in the park and sometimes that's all you need out of a reliever and he's got just a funky enough delivery where it just messes with the batters enough um where he can be effective and effective is sometimes all you need out of some of those relievers. Ardley's release point, the way that the ball kind of tracks, it's so much different than almost any other pitcher in the league. Um, And so when you are, you have these wild, wildly different looks, you you think about facing Claudio and then Yardley right after him, the release points, I think differ by six and a half feet horizontally. Um, And so if you're a hitter and the whole point is to, um, optimize and do the most with your reaction time that, that you can. Um, they're, they're learning. The Brewers pitching staff is, is basically being utilized in a way to minimize that. So you bring these guys in and you, you, you don't get settled at the plate. Kind of like Josie was saying, you're always on your kind of heels waiting for what's next. You can't guess. So we've got guys like Claudio thrown from the left-hand side, Yardley thrown from the right-hand side. We Then you can bring in guys who can throw laser darts. We've even got guys like Suter and Lindblom that we can use out of the, the, the bullpen who are more crafty veteran finesse types. So they have the ability to throw out any look and everything from the arm angle to the rotation to the velocity is different. And so having that variability in your bullpen, I think, is is a, a good thing. And the Brewers have a real good mix right now. Um, that's kind of what I, where my brain was going to, just the way that we can throw Yardley out and then Claudio and then Devin and then Josh. Like, depending on the start, maybe we've got Suter starting, who's often followed by Fastball Freddy. Like, we just... It's wild to think about how a couple of years ago we were like, oh, my God, our pitching. What are we going to do with our pitching? And now that is just by far our strong suit. And it's so diverse and versatile. And it just plays in so well with the way that Counts manages, too, because it's all one big chess game to him. And, you know, one thing that was very interesting for me coming into this year is how he would react to the three batter rule. And I found myself not even thinking about it that much because it it's just so seamless. Everything The way that he used our pitching is just, you know, for the most part, someone's going to be like, but what about this one time? But he 
he's just a master at using our pitching and using it to its strengths. A lot of options. Yeah. The bullpen has been phenomenal for the last two or three years, but this year I think it really, really did step up a notch. Um, I mean, everybody's known about Josh Hader for a, for a few years, um, and then to suddenly spring Devin Williams on people as well. That you know, particularly if we were in the lead towards the end of a game, we were pretty much lights out, weren't we? So um, yeah, it's it's a good thing to have, um, you know, and and it's actually nice that even though Josh Hader, you know, kind of set a record this year, everybody's talking about Devin Williams and not Josh Hader. And I'm and I'm hoping that a couple of the other guys that we brought in will will start developing as well in in the uh, the pitching as well. I mean, I'm I really really want Fire Ryzen to um to become a big name. And um you know I mean we we've got Padermo and Rasmussen as well, haven't we? That kind of have touched in in the uh, the show this year as well. So um yeah, I, I think our bullpen is is definitely still our strong point. But the fact that our starting pitching stepped up such a massive level basically enabled us to actually have a, a an enjoyable a fairly enjoyable season this year because if our pitching had not worked this year that would have been a painful season to watch mm-hmm. really rooting for Rasmussen and Topa those are some guys that boy they seem like they're this close if they could just take that next step they're both yeah. fire breathers Topa throws a friggin wiffle ball slider the thing moves like you wouldn't I mean it, it looks fake or CGI'd you know <laughs> One name that hasn't been mentioned that I think it's almost noteworthy that it wasn't noteworthy is Knable. Um He just was, I don't know, coming off the injury and it was just kind of myth. He, at the, towards the end of the season, it seemed like he was starting to get his velocity back a little bit, though. So I'm excited to see what he ends up looking like next year. Yeah, he was a little disappointing, wasn't he? Um, I think you're right. He did get better towards the end of the season. Seemed to lose a lot of confidence in those early games. I mean, the guy's only $5 million a year. He's, he, you need to step it up a little bit. But uh, there's, there's a lot of talk, and people are talking about Knievel being, you know, let's let's sell Hayder and uh, and Knievel can be, can be our closer. Certainly this year, that wouldn't have worked out too well for us, I don't think. Hayder, again, he, he set that record, as you said, Mark, quite rightly. But that kind of went under the radar a little bit with everything else that was happening. Um, and I think with Hayder this year... He certainly struggled at times with those walks, and there was the infamous four-walk game uh, against, was it Pittsburgh, I think, from memory? But he did set that record for um, how many starts was it? The start, the 15 starts? I can't remember the exact number now. Yeah, it was 12, not 30. It was 12 consecutive starts. The thing for me with, with Hayder, there was a lot of talk in the close season about him. I mean, he was all about the fastball before batters started to find him out. And he's uh, he had a, a bit more variation this year. And I think maybe at times he struggled a little bit with that. He struggled with his control, I think. But the interesting thing for me with him was when he set that record and, and people were talking about the amount of walks he was giving as well. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't um, wasn't all rosy in the garden. After after the five walks he gave against the Pirates on the 29th of August, he didn't issue one more walk for the rest of the season. So he really seemed to get that control back and 13 saves. I think he blew, he blew two games this year, but 13 saves, again, did a job. But I suppose the talk about him is going to be what we do with him in the closed season. There will inevitably be talks about do we sell him, do we cash in? What do you guys think? Because if we do cash in on him, who's going to close for us next season? Is he going to be Knable? I we've talked about this actually a lot on uh, the podcast that uh, Dave and I do for the reviewing the Bruce site. And I think both of us are now to the point where we're a little over 50 percent thinking that he actually will be traded. Um, no one, none of us want to trade Hater. Let's be honest. We all wish Hater would continue pitching and pitching uh, year after year for the Brewers. But a pitcher that's as good as he is starts to command a high price. Um, his uh, arbitration projections this offseason are anywhere from 4.5 million to seven about, um, and that's starting to get up there, especially when you go back to the fact that the Brewers are supposed to be in a tight payroll situation going into next year. So if he's at maximum value, combined with the fact that relievers, as good as they are, they can blow up at any time, so do you want to risk that Hater at some point, you know, takes that downturn while you still have him and could have traded him for value previously? And then adding on top of that, like you were saying, um, he did add to his pitch mix. He did start using that 
slider more this season and become a more complete pitcher. So does that make him more attractive to another team as well? We all want to see Hader in a Brewer uniform, but Stearns likes to make trades to make the team better. And if you can flip him to another team to improve an area where you're deficient right now, it just makes good business sense. And that's an unfortunate thing about sports is there always is a business side to all of these things, all of these roster decisions. Um, I don't want to see him go any more than anyone else does, but I just, I, I think it happens this year. And I think this is the se- the off season where they can get the most in return for him than they're ever going to get. Yeah. You, you've got a guy who has gone through several iterations. He's evolved, went from this kind of guy who just banked on his fastball power pitching um, guys caught up to him and he got exposed. So he started to reinvent himself. And, you know, ever since 2019, uh, the slider has been moving a lot differently. 2018, the slider had 36.9 inches of drop. In 2019, 39. In 2020, 42.9 inches of drop. Um, the slider, if we look at the break, the in 2018, 5 point inches of break, 7.4 inches of break in 2019, and then 7.2 last year. And so you see a guy who's evolving and kind of settling into what he's going to do. I think what we see with Hader now is what you're going to get. Uh, I think he's kind of reached his peak. And keep in mind now, he's been the relief pitcher of the year the last two years in a row. Um, you know, so he's a stud, and he's going to start commanding a higher and higher price. I don't think we're going to be able to pay him $10 million or more going forward. And so you got to sell high on players like him. Um, and, you know, this window coming up in the next year or two is probably, if it's going to happen, that's when it will. Sorry, yeah. Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my concern as well. Is that that now is probably the optimal time to sell him. Um, obviously, with relief pitchers, the older they get, the less effective they become. So it's either do you try and convert him to a starting pitcher, or do you uh, trade out as a relief pitcher? So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to come round to the train of thought that we're going to trade very soon. If it's not this off season, it will be before the deadline. Yeah, and the the thing with the money of it all, because it is a business. I think I have a I personally have a hard time sometimes making that line with baseball specifically. Basketball, football, I don't have a problem with it. Like it's a business, the end. But it's like we get 162 games with these guys. They're family. It's hard. <laughs> um, just kind of from an economic perspective, it's gonna be such an interesting. Not only next year, but the next maybe even five years as teams and organizations start to recover from the economic hits that they're taking from everything this year you know only having 60 games no fans in the stands next year if we're going to be on a full there's so many unknowns going into this offseason too that you know are there going to be fans in the stands will they have options if you look at what's going on in milwaukee right now if they are given the option they're probably they probably should not potentially have fans in the stands and we're already as you know, small to mid-sized team, market team. You know, there's just so many unknowns. I'm obviously stumbling through my words a little bit now, but How sustainable somebody like Hater, who's only going to get more and more expensive, as we've noted, and if we could sell yeah. high on him now, why not? Um, yeah. Especially where we have holes that are not in the pitching. You know, we're not so reliant on him anymore either. And if we could get somebody decent at a one of the infield corners versus having such a stud in the bullpen, you know, that's going to have a bigger advantage to us at the moment too. So just a yeah, lot of things to right. consider. My, you know, my, my, my heart says no, but my head says yes. And I totally agree. It makes sense. It makes financial sense. The biggest problem I will have is I'll have to change my Twitter name. <laughs> I thought that. So, uh, this is, you know, I was going to say, if, if, if Brewers wrap can do it then so can i i was gonna say but what's what's the uh, what's the option do you change to williams and if you're keeping the same sort of thing yeah. what what, what Devin, Devin williams is big toe he's, he's the first one <laughs> <laughs> you know what i might put a, i might have to put a poll out on twitter and you guys can help me choose i don't know but uh okay brilliant do you have a particular moment or play of the season which was just like yeah that was awesome 
Scott, we'll start with yourself. Um, what was that moment that you went, you know what? Awesome. What a great year. The moment, it, it might be a bit of a surprise to you guys, but it was the, the moment I saw Devin Williams throw a changeup. That pitch, I was like, what was that? Then he did it again, and he did it again, and then only one guy got a head off of it all year. Um, I still am in awe of what he can do. We basically saw something done in baseball this last year that's never been done. I mean, not recorded anyway. Maybe some of these guys in the late 1800s could <laughs> make the ball move like that, but I doubt it. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see the natural endpoints of all this lab stuff, all this pushing science to its endpoint. Um, you know, and Devin Williams is the the guy ushering that in. Anybody who's watched baseball as much as I have or you guys have, you haven't seen a pitch like that before. And it it baffled me and excited me. And now I'm just kind of thinking, well, geez, we have the best relief pitcher on the planet. We have Josh Hader, who <laughs> was the best relief, relief pitcher on the planet and arguably still is. Um, you know, it's real exciting. But we do hit that point where, you know, we talk about how much is enough. And um, Devin Williams shifted that whole conversation this year. And you could argue that his changeup did that more than anything. Awesome. Mark, how about yourself? My highlight was Christian Yelich hitting his first home run of the season at, <laughs> at Wrigley Field as as a designated hitter. So so uh, I, I was winding up Cubs fans about it being a, a moment in history because no, there's never been a designated hitter at Wrigley Field. So as he was the first one to hit a home run, that should go in history. So uh, it's just one of those things, isn't it, that you can you can wind him up about, <laughs> wind, wind Cubs yeah. fans up about. Matt, how about yourself? Um, I'm going to be greedy because I have three um, and I couldn't decide between <laughs> the three, um, but you'll see why. So the first one I had was uh, Yelich for all his struggles, um, had an inside the park home run this season. And as we hopefully remember, it was because Chicago White Sox left fielder, fielder Eloy Jimenez fell into the netting uh, yeah. and the ball Brilliant. just rattled around and Yelich came all the way around. That was probably the funniest moments outside of maybe Brent Suter stumbling on the mound um, <laughs> of the entire season. Um, and then the other two are both Ryan Braun moments, because as we know, Ryan Braun, we may have seen the last of him in a Brewer uniform, but we've got two from him. There was the Pirates game um, in July where Braun, who I, I don't know if he'd had a hit, honestly, at that point in the season, um, hit a game time double in the ninth and then Sogard won it in the 11th in the first game in baseball history to use the runner on second rule. And then Braun hitting a walk-off sacrifice fly with the game tied 0-0 in the bottom of the ninth against the Cubs in September. FTC! Uh, just any, anything <laughs> beating the Cubs is great, but for Ryan Braun to do it and bring home a win, um, that could be just one of his really final just, you know, clutch moments that he ends up having as a brewer. So I, I just, I couldn't decide between the three. They were all good. They were all fun. But even in a weird 60-game season that just didn't fully feel inspiring, it's nice to know that, you know, we look back and, yeah, we did have kind of some moments like that. Definitely. Um, so I'm going to surprise you with my moment. This is real left field. Cast your mind back, Miller Park, 2nd of September 2020. Okay. Brewers versus the Detroit Tigers. Josh Hader comes onto the mound. Victor Reyes is at bat. Strikes out on a Norton three count to set that record. I just loved that. It was brilliant. And, um, yeah, that was my moment. Even the cardboard cutouts held their breath that day. <laughs> so, uh, I think I'm yeah, still holding was, mine. That was... Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? One of the things that I was really gutted about was I didn't get a chance to buy my cardboard cutout. <laughs> I was going to say Matt can go and collect them they've just said you can go turn up at the stadium and, and pick them up so. <laughs> exactly yeah let me know go, Matt, you can have, have a live size or something like that and uh, I'll go get them for you <laughs> you know what you can have a life size cut out of me in your front room there you go there's something you can <laughs> that's alright I dress you every day <laughs> you know again this is going to sound kind of silly but just opening day the fact that it happened there and then you know of course followed by what 
two days later, everything that happened with the Marlins, and we're like, oh gosh, they're going to take baseball away from us again, aren't they? <laughs> so yeah. at the time, I was just like, at least we had a couple games. It's better than zero. But just the way that everything led up to this season, everything going on in the world, just having baseball and having that outlet every night, even if it was just for 60 games, it's so meaningful from a normalcy perspective. Just having, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite things in life, just being able to have that. Um, when I can't do anything else, I can't go out, I can't, couldn't go to a game, couldn't even get on a plane to, we were supposed to go to opening day and then that obviously didn't happen. But I feel like it came at a time, and this is going to sound like so ridiculous, but by the time July round came around, I was so drained from the nothingness and the unknowns, and it just, it really came at a perfect time because we really needed, I feel like as a society, we really needed it, and I certainly did. So that's my moment, just opening day, having baseball. Well, that's a great call. Um, yeah. yeah, did any of you have a, a hot topic you particularly wanted to discuss? Basically, what, what I'm the hot topic I guess I'd like to touch on is just piggyback off what Josie said that, you know, um, I hope what this did this year did is reinforce the fact that what matters is the connection. What matters is the camaraderie, the fact that we all get to plug into something that's positive and fun and communal. Um, you know, as soon as those things and those avenues are restricted and we're pushed into a corner and we feel more alone, it, it becomes very um, quickly apparent how valuable things like baseball are. But what it, what it does is it shifts the conversation away from, you know, uh, we should get rid of this guy. This guy sucks. You know, I can't believe we signed this guy for this much back to, well, we've been developing this guy and we want to see him succeed. You know, instead of complaining about the financial aspects of the game and getting into all the general manager stuff that all of us fantasy baseball people like to get into, um, we were talking more about, you know, these people's lives, these players' lives, their families. Um, and, you know, I think what it did is it reminded us all that this is a human game. And I don't want to sound too cheesy or schmaltzy, but I hope that when we go back to quote-unquote normal and we're able to attend games in person, that there's a different taste in the air that people can appreciate it a little bit more and realize that it's the sunshine and sitting shoulder to shoulder with your your fellow milwaukeeans or whoever you're with fellow fans your people that's what matters more than anything Absolutely. yeah i think that's well said yeah and and for me as well you know obviously it was the first season that i've had this one so she got brewer's gear and we dressed her up and uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a great year <laughs> in parts um you know in to some respects actually covid happened at the right time for me because i've been at home since covid started which has meant i've been at home for this one whereas uh any other time i would have been at home for the first two weeks and then i'd have been at work every day so yeah it's just it's been a an interesting 2020 let's say that and um you know it's some of the baseball hasn't been the prettiest but it's been an enjoyable season nonetheless and uh, i've enjoyed it i've i've invested in it um even though i didn't exp- it didn't have very high hopes after the first few weeks but the fact that we completed the season we made postseason um for me it was uh, it was okay it was a, a nice bit of relief from from everything else that was going on in the world i just i think this off season, we we all need to be prepared for this to be a, not just Brewers off season, but an MLB off season, unlike any we've seen before. I know that it's hard to give a pass to big baseball sports teams or anything like that because there's supposedly these big organizations that have just millions and millions of dollars. But you know, everyone went through this same covid situation everyone took losses and so you're already starting to see it with some of the uh, uh contract decisions that are being made um people who would normally have been kept in a normal in any other year are already being cut loose and you may end up seeing some really weird contracts that end up coming out of it some players getting signed to lesser amounts of money than normal it may mean that there's some unpopular decisions happening um, but they're probably going to happen all across the league. Um, so just remember that, that 
you know, they're having to make a lot of these tough decisions, too, and it may not mean that we're fully happy with the decisions that are made when it comes to make, assembling a roster for next year, um, but they may be the ones that have to be made. Um, we are a small market team. Um, we do have restraints. It's going to be interesting, and I, I don't know what to expect, but um, I am looking forward might not be the uh, Racing. Uh, right uh, term to put, but um, I am curious to see how everything's going to shake out. But, hey, we all have each other on uh, Brewers Twitter and everywhere to kind of um, either complain or be optimistic or be whatever about what ends up happening. Um, and we're all going to hopefully have a team to cheer for next year. So that's where we'll all come together on it. Here, here. Josie? Man, I don't know what I can add. Um, kind of at the end of what Matt said, I was just going to say quick how much I really value our little Twitter family that we have, you know? Yes. Especially now when you can't go out in the world and be with people and just being able to make those connections online and make what end up being, you know, friends that you're going to have forever and you're all we're all on the internet so it's like everyone's together but you know we're on other sides of the world look at us right now even we're in different countries different states and i just really value that that can be an outlet to have conversations where we're either complaining about something or you know, there's nothing better than after somebody hits a home run, you look at your Twitter feed and everyone's like, hashtag Ryan Brown forever, whoever hit the home run and just, just all the same. And it's just the sense of community is just really amazing. So it's real. Um, thank you guys for being major parts of that. I really value all of your friendships and look forward to riding this crazy off season with y'all. Yeah, I'll, I'll ditto yeah. that. Certainly, I know from me and Mark, we're sort of we're kind of the baseball apprentices. And um, but the amount that I personally have learned from you guys and all the Twitter guys, you know, the Brewers Twitter family out there, has been immeasurable. And it, it's made me appreciate and enjoy the game so much more. Um, not just the interaction, which is always awesome. But just the understanding that, that guys like yourselves has, have brought to me. I'm, I'm a late starter in the world of baseball. As you know, I'm a big cricket fan. Baseball's very different. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I echo what you say, Josie. The, uh, you know, I've never used Twitter so much. I mean, the Brewers' Twitter family are awesome, and it's uh, it's great to uh, it's great to do that. But I love you guys. You Brewers, you Brewers Twitter people keep me going. The Brewers Twitter family has definitely been been one of the biggest highlights of this this road journey for me. Okay, I've got one last question. Twenty seconds each. Ryan Braun, will he play for the Brewers again? We can't finish the pod without talking about Ryan Braun. Matt, what do you think? Oh, no, I don't think he plays for the Brewers again. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the rumors that the designated hitter isn't coming back. If it does, there's a chance. Um, if it doesn't, he's just he's his body's just broken down a little bit too much. Um, he only played and he didn't even play in two thirds of the games last season. So uh, I'd love to see him just one more in a normal season in a Brewer uniform. But I I think he's earned his retirement. I I don't think he plays for another team. I think he rides off into the sunset, and I'm okay with that. I think that I agree with Matt. The only caveat I would add to that is that if he comes back, um, I think there's an outside chance they bring him back on a one-year deal, kind of in a retirement, you know, right off into the sunset kind of a thing like Matt's implying, you know, where they kind of just have him on the bench kind of as a player coach, probably pinch hit in big moments. Um, He could still be valuable in that regard. The guy can still swing a bat and he's still clutch. Um, So couldn't they find a spot for him on the end of the bench? We'll see. You know, I... A, I really do not think that we have the DH next year. I think that we might have it in 2022, but I do not think we have it next year just because of the way that that would have to go through the players and just it would be too much hoopla. They're trying to get other things done. So I, my hope, because I don't think that he, I think he's done. I really do think he's done. But my hope is that they bring him back for like a one-day contract. We all get to go to Miller Park for opening day and we get to say goodbye. 
because it's so anticlimactic mm-hmm. that this year, what he means to our organization and how we, I mean, it's also selfish. Like, I want to go say goodbye to Ryan Braun. He doesn't know who I am. I'm just going to be some chick crying in the stands. But I, <laughs> I want to be able to go say goodbye to him. And yeah. I feel like he deserves it. He deserves that, like kind of what God, Matt said that going off into the sunset. He didn't get that. And I feel like he deserves it. We deserve it. Yep, totally what everybody's been saying. Um, I, the romantic in me wants him to come back for one last game so that everybody can say goodbye to him next year. But um, I think he's he's too expensive in a financially difficult situation at the moment for, for us to be able to bring him back, unfortunately. But, you know, he, he means everything to our team, doesn't he, and to our fan base. So, um, yeah, you know, it's a shame that it's happened this year. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can see him next year, but I can't see him being a, a big part of the team. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, the word legend gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? But in his case, he is a Brewers legend. Personally, yes, love to see him come back. But also part of me that thinks, you know what? You've got a great legacy. Just finish at the top and walk, as you say, whether that's the horse into the sunset, which is a great metaphor and a lovely image. Um, maybe that's just it now. Yeah, love to see him on a one-day contract, Josie. That'd be awesome too. But um, yeah, I think maybe we've seen the end of it, which is a real shame because he's... Uh, He's a cub killer, and we love that. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much for your time. It's been, well, I've enjoyed myself. I hope you guys have too. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you, well-educated baseball folk. So to Scott, to Matt, and to Josie, thank you so much. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your Halloween. Um, and Mark, who's there with his beautiful daughter, Isla, on his lap. Um <laughs> I'll speak to you in the near future, my friend. Yeah, I was going to say, um, thank you for everything, guys. Um, it's been brilliant having you on. Um, it always makes us seem like we're, we're doing something right when we've got people like yourselves on our pod. Um, oh. So, you know, thank you for everything that you do and, and for, for interacting with us and, and taking two two guys from the UK under your wing um, in Wisconsin. So Let's do it again, chaps. Yeah, yeah, let's try and do it before the end of the, before the, end of the year, maybe. All right. <laughs> Yeah, okay and to you guys listening thanks for uh, for tuning in you got any questions you can talk to these guys on twitter you know their twitter handles but for those that don't we're talking at brew underscore maths we're talking at josephine mars 42 at mke mat 13 three members of the brewers twitter royal family and uh, always a great engage if you're not following them why aren't you following them okay take care and uh speak to you soon cheers now Okay, bros. And with that, mate, the Tailgate party was closed. But what a what a great a great chat we had with those guys. Yeah, it was awesome, wasn't it? And we could have, I mean, we we probably recorded for nearly two and a half hours, didn't we? And we could have probably gone on for another hour or two. I mean, some great some great chats there about the pitching and some great insights. Um, and I know that you know you know on a lot of the numbers and, and Doctor Scott and very much the same. But the insights. From Matt and, and Josie on the on the more mental front as well. He's um, yeah, yeah. just just different perspectives on it and uh, just a real great a real rounded conversation. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they filled all the holes that we can't fill, didn't they? So, <laughs> <laughs> but pretty much so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some of those plays of the season, um, interesting mix there of just one-off plays such as yep. me with Hader, you with Yelich, etc. Um, but then just the whole first ball of the season type you know that was the play of the season yeah well it just goes to show doesn't it that actually we we may not have had the best of seasons um but there were some positives and and to be watching baseball is just a blessing really isn't it and uh, you know we got to see some good stuff in with with some rubbish what about Josie's suggestion of potentially giving Ron Braun a one-day contract uh, so we can he can go out in a blaze of glory in sounds, front of sounds a like an absolutely brilliant idea i'm really on board with that so um, um but yeah no what, what a good idea it would be to, to actually have him in in front of a, a full full house to say goodbye it would just be uh, it'd be one of those moments you'd remember wouldn't it i think he'll be associated with the team regardless uh, going forward um I, I i find it very hard to believe that he'll play for anybody else next year if he doesn't re-sign for the brewers so i think he'll still be involved and it was nice just to touch very, very briefly on the Twitter family as well. I know we talk about it a lot. Um, yep. but we, you know, we get a lot of support and, and made a lot of new, 
uh, friends through uh, through Brewers Twitter, and uh, it was just nice to touch on that as well, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, we we know that the Twitter family is amazing. Um, and before we sign off, there's another thing to celebrate uh, being a Brewers fan, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so so not only did uh, Devin Williams get the reliever of the year, he's also uh, managed to get the uh, rookie of the year, which is a bit unheard of for a reliever, isn't it? But that just goes to show the power of his airbender, doesn't it? Ultimately, justice was done, mate. And uh, yeah. two pieces of silverware on his mantelpiece this season now. And uh, yeah, it all looks good for next season, mate, hopefully. OK, mate, so we're going to sign off there. I mean, again, many, many thanks to Scott, to Matt and to Josie for being such great guests on the pod. And even though we're going into the close season, um, we're going to still put the occasional pod out, mate, probably at a slightly lower frequency. But um, we're going to see, keep talking about baseball and um, just to let people know we're alive, really. Hopefully we can get some news in. Yeah, there'll be some some things to talk about. And, and of course, we've also got to finish Brewers through the ages, haven't we? So. <laughs> We have you've indeed. Got, you've yeah. got to see if you can I'd, get Claw back. <laughs> I'd almost forgotten about that game, and I, I kind you of hoped you'd forgotten about it as you well. You keep trying <laughs> to forget, don't you? You keep trying to forget. <laughs> so listen, everyone out there, thanks again for uh, for listening. Thanks again as well for your support and kind comments all through this uh, this season. And me and Mark have thoroughly enjoyed putting these pods together for you guys. Uh, the fact that you guys listen and give us feedback means the world to us. And uh, I think Mark made a comment not so long ago that. When you guys comment, we know we're doing something right. So that's, uh, yeah, that that's really good. Um, so until we speak again, take care. God bless. This is me and Mark signing off. And go Brewers. Go Brewers. <laughs>